If you want Colts talk all year long, you're in the right place. Fires upfield into the end zone, and it's caught. Jelani Woods, touchdown. He's going to fire upfield. It's broken up, tipped, and intercepted by the Colts. This is the official Colts podcast, giving you an updated look at what's new with the horseshoes. Colts have it. Interception. Two seconds left, and the Colts are going to win. In the Indiana Union Construction Industry Radio Studio, let's get the podcast started. Hello again, and welcome to the official Colts podcast on a Thursday. It's starting to be fall around central Indiana here in the Midwest. We've got the different colors on the trees. Uh, my yard is looking quite fallish, Casey Vallier. <laughs> Come on over with a rake, Bill, if you got uh, one. No, 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 no. Come to my house with uh, a no, rake. No, 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 no. <laughs> I mean, Casey can vouch. You need to come to me <laughs> Matt, this time. Matt's got quite the tree. See, this is the thing. I just built a new house, so my trees are, you know, they're very young. No leaves in my yard. It is wonderful. Oh. I've got some 100-year-old sycamores and uh, maples. You name it. I got it, pal. Uh, I've got the same. Some uh, I was up maples, there. I was on the roof. Birch. I was on the roof blowing them yesterday. <laughs> or on Saturday, I should say. I was like breaking my neck, man. Ugh. But that's the time of year we're at. And we are happy that you are here on a Thursday. Again, we got the crew here. Bill Brooks, Casey Vallier. I'm Matt Taylor. We got Colts and Saints coming up as the Colts wrap up the month of October. It's been a crazy month here for a five games at home for the Colts during this stretch, but I think four of the next five after this Sunday on the road. Trips to Carolina, and then a trip to Germany. Was Max Dugarin and Diner Frights right there, Casey. There it is. <laughs> There's that German coming in, to, in handy. I don't know what you just said, but sure, Matt, whatever. I said your hair looks great. Oh, well, <laughs> no, I said, What do you, you like to do in your free time? And that's a podcast with us, Bill. Well, of course. That's right. Much free that's time. Right. Join us. It's also, too, we are five days away from Halloween, so this is the Halloween edition of the podcast here. We're also brought to you by Win Las Vegas. So we're talking about, in the spirit of Halloween, we're talking about the scary good for this team and also the scary parts that are kind of still rearing their ugly head going into week number eight for this Indianapolis Colts team. We'll talk about uh, the defensive uh, troubles there in the fourth quarter, not being able to get the job done and close out that game against the uh, the Browns uh, last Sunday. Obviously, the NFL came out and told Jim Irsay there was some there was some things that we we screwed up are bad. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if, if Jim Irsay should have been saying that, but he did. So it's out there. And, um, you know, we'll react to that. So uh, we're we're also going to have a conversation here on the podcast today with Kenny Moore the second. There's nobody playing scarier good than Kenny Moore. He leads the NFL among all cornerbacks and tackles and tackles for loss. He had a sack and a half. He had a career day of many aspects uh, last Sunday against the Cleveland Browns. So let's talk about the the scary good for this team right now. And that's big plays on offense. Uh, Bill, you look at it. The Colts have the fourth most plays over 20 yards in the NFL this season with 33 of them against the Browns. Josh Downs had a big play, had multiple big plays, actually. Uh, Michael Pittman Jr. had the 75-yard catch for a touchdown. The Colts had some long runs by Jonathan Taylor and Zach Moss. They had a season high eight plays over 20 against the Browns, but in the last three games, gentlemen, the Colts have 17 plays over 20, seven over 30, six over 40, and two over 50. So this offense right now is scary good, especially in the big play category, Bill Brooks. Why? Tell me why. Well, you know what? I'm going to give credit to the offensive coaches. I think for them, the way they're scheming up their offenses, the plays, when they're calling them, 
changing the personnel, yeah. uh, different type of plays that they're running. Give them credit, putting the guys in positions to make plays, using their strengths, the players, as far as making plays. I mean, you know what? And also catching defense off guard. I mean, things like, say, for instance, the Garden Minshew. No one thought Gardner Minshew down the red zone was going to run his own read. You know what? And run the ball and then keep it at that, you know, and get in for a touchdown. But those are the things that the offensive coaches are designing and scheming up against these defenses, and they've been successful. Well, they were successful last week. Yeah, I think it's, it's that. But I also want to go to what Gardner said on Wednesday when, you know, the reporters asked him, you know, you're making a whole bunch of chunk plays, and he kind of gives credit to the running game. I think part of it is the running game is able to open up an air – creating some big plays in that front. So it's causing defenses to kind of be, you know, play that a little bit more traditional instead of loading the box and doing all this. They're able to, you know, spread things out. And I feel like it's opening up some creases. But you mentioned, too, just just being smart. You know, offensive calling has been smart, but also you can't overlook a couple of the plays that happened on Sunday where Gardner Minshew kind of went into backyard football. You know, you have an offsides penalty. Yeah, okay, yeah. I know I've got in some, in some ways you look at it as a free play. Let's mm-hmm. take a chunk here. Mm-hmm. And being able to be one step ahead of the defense is always a smart play. So we saw that to the play to Josh Downs yep. and also the big deep one to Alec Pierce. So a couple of those plays are thrown in there. And then I think we also saw you, you, you can't try to just – push Michael Pittman to the ground or arm tackle him because he's a guy that's just going to say thanks. I'll just keep running. And that's what they we give saw. You the deuces. <laughs> give the deuces. Actually, no, they were going for two. They're going for two. going for two. Keep it straight. Keep it straight. No, staying in line with, with Halloween and, and scary good. I think it's crazy to think that the Colts have had two different starting quarterbacks. Uh, they've had several different offensive line combinations. Yeah. Guys that are stepping up uh, up front um, within that group like Blake Freeland and Wesley Freeland. French, you know, Bernard Ryman has missed some time. Brian Kelly has missed some time. Now Braden Smith is missing some time. We don't know if he's going to play on Sunday against the uh, New Orleans Saints. You missed Jonathan Taylor or did not have Jonathan Taylor for the first uh, first four games of the season. And here the Colts are. They're scoring 25 points per game. They are the only team in the NFL this year that has scored at least 20 points in every game. They're one of three teams on the season that rank in the top 10 in both rushing and passing to this point. I mean, it's crazy to think that all of those uh, pieces of adversity and and yet here the, the Colts still are with the big plays and they're right up there in terms of scoring output and average bill with with teams like uh, Kansas City, mm-hmm. uh, teams like Philadelphia. The, the Colts are one of the best offenses in the NFL, primarily because of their scheme and the guy calling the plays and Shane Steichen. Definitely. I mean, that's, and that's what I was talking about earlier. He knows what he wants. He understands the players that he has here on the team. Yeah. He understands their strengths. You know, get Michael Pittman the ball knowing that, hey, he can break some tackles. Zach Moss is doing a nice job running the ball between the tackles. He, he can break some big ones. Now you got Jonathan Taylor back to make some big plays. Josh Downs. Use Josh Downs in different ways. Use him in the slot. You could put him outside. The touchdown he caught against Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. He's played outside. So those are different things you can do for, for the offense and put him in different positions. So he's understanding the offense, understanding the player's strength, and putting them in position to make plays. All right, let's talk about what's scary here elsewhere within this offense in terms of what's <laughs> making it scary. The running game is at full strength. Like I just said, Jonathan Taylor is back. This is going to be his fourth straight game since coming off of PUP. Last week, it was kind of a a split right down the middle. The last couple of weeks, Jonathan Taylor's been creeping up, creeping up, creeping up. 
Last week, it was a true 50-50 split. 35 snaps for Moss, 35 snaps for Taylor, 18 carries for both guys. Zach Moss a little bit banged up. He didn't practice on Wednesday as we sit here and tape this on Thursday, Casey. Is this the week that Jonathan Taylor kind of creeps up and and goes over the threshold? I'm assuming that is the the route we're going. We've seen it kind of a gradual easing him in. And I think last week we saw Jonathan Taylor – As close to Jonathan Taylor as we would expect. I thought you saw the explosiveness, all of that. It's almost like he was one step away from breaking one here or there. So I'm assuming that that's where we are, but it's hard. We talk about what Zach Moss has done to this point. He still ranks second in the NFL in rushing yards right now, Zach Moss. And Mm -hmm. we're talking about... And he's first in yards per game still. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, you're talking about a guy who we're saying, all right, Jonathan Taylor's going to get an expanded role. Zach Moss has earned that spot. So I think you're going to start seeing it be a little bit more favored towards a Jonathan Taylor. And that's because we know what Jonathan Taylor can do. He's one of the most explosive players in all of football, especially at the running back position, but just in, in general. So you anticipate it being more Jonathan Jonathan Taylor heavy, but I do think that Shane Steichen, as he mentioned early in the year, that we're going to ride that hot hand, and Zach Moss has shown that he can have a pretty hot hand at times, and he's still one of the league leaders at this point. So we're going to start seeing a more ramp up, I think, of Taylor, but don't discount at all what Zach Moss can do. Bill, how how close is Taylor to becoming the scary good running back he was in 2021. I think he's about that close. And people on the radio can't see me. I'm, I have my fingers very close from go. about an inch apart. And so, we're on YouTube too. Yeah, though, I know so, we're on you YouTube. Know? For the one, people on the radio are listening though. Right. So uh, about an inch apart. So he's that close. Little skosh. Little yeah, dash. Little, little dash. There little skosh there. Um, I, I think he's close because, you know what, it takes a while to get ramped up. You know, yeah. he, he wasn't, he didn't have any camp. He didn't play any, uh, practicing camp. So missed the first few weeks of the season. So, getting his legs back up under him, getting used to being hit again, going through, getting used to the calls and the timing with the quarterback and things like that. So he's very close. And the thing I like right now that they're doing with Jonathan Taylor, he's he's involved in the passing game as well. Mm -hmm. You know, he's not just running the ball, he's involved in the passing game. So that gives another dimension to this offense and for the defense to look at, hey, you know what? Oh, Jonathan Taylor, oh, he might get the ball in open field. That's pretty scary to a defense. You get Jonathan Taylor with the ball in the open field, yeah. not many people around him, knowing his speed and what he can do with the football. I think that's a good thing for the Colts, and it's going to put some some kind of uh, you know trepidation in, in the defenses now, knowing that he can't be outside or inside and run the ball. I mean, listen, sometimes sometimes football's not that hard. Get the football <laughs> into your hands of your best playmakers, right. uh, some form, some fashion. That's Jonathan Taylor. To your point, I mean, I've been really impressed with the coaching staff's ability to think outside the box. Let's get the ball to Jonathan Taylor somehow in space and just let him go. Let him be the great athlete athlete that he is he's got 11 catches so far in the season and he's got at least 45 yards receiving and back-to-back games going into this one for the first time in his career so I love the way Shane Steichen is is he's sort of like that mad scientist right he's like <laughs> Dr. Frankenstein you know, I love these Halloween bits that we're doing right now right the, what's the guy's name where they got the little bolts in his neck is that is that Frankenstein who am yeah. I thinking Frankenstein. of yeah, Frank- yeah. Frankenstein yeah, yeah. Frankenstein. <laughs> that's what that's what uh, Shane Steichen is doing all day long in the lab uh, gear up for these for these games on offense all right let's talk about the scary bad you got to talk about it because the Colts they did so many things well right they scored a season high 38 points they racked up 456 yards of offense against the best defense in the NFL but they still lost and the big reason why 
is, you know, Sunday's a reminder that it's just really hard to win football games in the NFL. The margin for error is so, so razor thin when you turn the ball over four times. The Colts have turned it over four times in back-to-back games for the first time since 2010. Wow. All right, so it doesn't happen all that often. And Miles Garrett was an absolute beast. He was a nightmare for the Colts. He was like Freddy Krueger, the guy from Screen. Yeah. Uh, he was all of those, those terrible characters all in one. Um, this season, the Colts are 3 0 when they suffer zero turnovers. And four losses, that's when all the turnovers come 12 turnovers and four setbacks. And those 12 turnovers have led to 44 points on the season. The eight turnovers in the last two games have led to 34 points for the Jaguars and the Browns. You're just not going to win when you turn it over that much. Bill, how concerned are you about these turnovers? Are they, are they a blip on the radar? Because that's what we said last week coming after that uh, Jaguars game. But are the turnovers something that the Colts are going to have to contend with until they just flat out clean it up here? I'm concerned. I'm concerned yeah. with the turnovers yeah. because, I mean, as you just stated, it's a direct correlation between wins and losses. Yeah. We know when we don't turn the ball over, we win. When we do, we lose. And you have to stop turning the ball over. And on top of that, the Browns, when they got the turnovers, they took those turnovers and converted them to points. They got 17 points off those turnovers. And they had, what, five scoring drives of 40 yards or less? Yep. So it was like exactly. Christmas Day. Exactly. Exactly. Here, here's, here's a, here's a gift. Here, beat us. Yes, exactly. Right? And we, you can't do that in winning football games in the yeah. National Football League. So that is a concern for me that they have to find a way to make sure they protect the ball, hold on to the ball, and not just not turn the ball over. But try to generate some more turnovers. Yes, they got two interceptions. The Colts got two interceptions. But you have to take those interceptions and convert them into points. Yeah. And we didn't convert those into points. That's so exactly I'm, right. I'm concerned about us turning the ball over more than I am us getting turnovers. But I would like to get turnovers. But I'm really concerned about us turning the ball over. You know, I, I agree with Bill. I'm concerned. But I do think part of it is twofold. I think to this point, outside of the Jacksonville game, Gardner Minshew has kind of been what we thought he would be as far as not throwing a lot of balls into harm's way. His interception rate, the Jack, the Jacksonville game, you can put that you know kind of as an outlier, but everything else, he's done a pretty good job. But one of the things that he has had a problem with in the past is fumbling the football. And that's what Colts fans are thinking. Like, this is just like last year. Exactly. Every yes. time we take a sack, not only do we take a sack, we lose possession lose of the ball. So it's, it's one of those things where I'm concerned, but I do think that this staff can, you know, make play calls a little bit different and you're trying to do things a little bit different to make sure the ball is getting out. Therefore, you're eliminating the chances of those fumbles on the sack. So that's where I'm concerned, but I do think when it comes to that standpoint, it can be fixed. I don't know necessarily how long it's going to take to fix it. I don't know how long you're going to be riding on this, but it is one of those things where you kind of have to be concerned because it's alarming, especially when you look at what happened last week. From all accounts, outside of 95 for the Browns, <laughs> there's no reason they should have even been in that game. No. Right. Colts should have scored 50 hard. points I if mean, it wasn't the, for right. Miles The Colts should have won that game running away, but you look into four turnovers and, and that's where it is. So. Yeah. yeah. That shows how important you oh. know, you, turnovers are. You know what I mean? One hundred percent. All the all the stats you just read about how powerful the offense was, how how good the offense was, but still, 
You lost the game yep. because of those turnovers. And that's how powerful the turnovers are when you're talking about a game in the National Football League. Another scary part was the, the total gut punch at the end of the game as the Browns go down the field. That was the scary part. Is like you're thinking, all right, P.J. Walker in a quarterback. You got this home crowd behind us here at Lucas Oil Stadium. No chance they go down the field and score a touchdown and – essentially win the game <laughs> yep. down by five. And that's exactly what the Browns did. So we talked about all the turnovers and, and things like that. And there's no question that the defense is being put into some bad situations by the offense. But we all know that the, the next step for this defense to go from good to great or from great to elite is no matter the situation they're put into, you got to come up with a stop. And, you know, of, of, of all these turnovers the last couple of weeks, we eight of them, in sudden change, three of those instances have directly led to touchdowns by the opposition. You know, I know Miles Garrett had the one sack that led to a touchdown by the defense. Right. There's been some field goals sprinkled in there as well. But just, again, that's a gut punch. It's scary that, that you know, and when the game's on the line, when the Colts turn it over, Bill, the defense is still not consistently stepping up to the plate and getting off the field in sudden change. How does, how does that happen? Because I know when, when, as an offensive player, you know, in your career, when you're right back on the field on offense, when, when your defense gets a takeaway, Excited. that's like a huge uplifting feeling. Excited. It's like, oh, we got to go play ball again. Mm-hmm. It's, it's sort of the opposite for a defensive player where you're like, oh, we got to go back on the field again. How, what, what is the mentality for the defense um, considering all the bad spots they've put in, been put into, I should say, the last two games? When you're a player out there on defense, you just have to realize our job is to stop the team from scoring regardless of where they get the ball at, regardless if they get the ball on the 25-yard line and have to go 75 yards to score, or if they get the ball on our own 30 and only have 30 yards to score, have to try to stop them, have to have to figure out a way to stop them. And I think that's when you have to say, hey, guys, Let's band together as brothers. This is what we have to do. I mean, do. it truly is mindset. It is, it is mindset. That's why they call it a sudden change, because yeah, you're scrambling. Right, you're scrambling. And you have, to, you have to also stay calm in those situations. As yeah. a defense, you have to stay calm and say, hey, look, they got the ball. Let's just run our defense. Let's execute our defense, and let's not make mistakes. And the thing you have to say is, okay, we can't, we can't let them score a touchdown. That's your mindset. Let's, let's keep them out of the end zone scoring a touchdown. Mm-hmm. At worst, at worst, they can get a field goal. Then if they get a field goal – Okay, it's, it's, it's not the best, mm-hmm. but it's not the worst either. So I think that has to be their mindset going into when, the, when there's a sudden change, they have to go back out in the field, stay calm, but let's do our job, execute, and at worst, let's hold them to a field goal. Are you, are you more worried about the defense's ability to get off the field or, to Bill's point, limit the damage and, and cause a field goal or induce a field goal, or are you more worried about the – since the start of last year, Casey, there's been four instances where the defense has, has allowed the game-winning or the go-ahead score in crunch time under two minutes. And all of those games have been home games, by the way. Yeah, you know, that, that, is, that is one thing that I really started to look at that was a little shocking, if, if I will be honest. I, I didn't – in the moment, you, you see it, but I didn't – when you put it all together, I was – almost forgot about yeah. all of those instances. There so was, there was is, last week, there was the Washington game last yep. year, there was the, the Eagles, Eagles game, game last game. year, yep. and then we, we forget about it because it was towards the end of last year. The Houston. And Houston. The Houston game. Yeah. With the, week I mean, 18 last season. And, and I don't want to discredit any of but you think about also the quarterback play, it's not yeah. these elite guys. Like Jalen Hurts, you could definitely put him in that elite category, but it's Taylor Heineke, Davis Mills, and then P.J. Walker. So there is there is a little bit of concern there. The sudden change thing, 
it's also it's a concern because it's a mentality. And I, you talk to any of the defensive players, and we talk to Kenny Moore later. I, I'm sure he'll say the same thing. Like, there's no excuses in this league. It doesn't matter if you, like Bill said, it doesn't matter where you get the ball. You, you have to have that elite. If you want to be elite, mm-hmm. you look at what the Browns have done throughout this season. Yep. The offense, the Browns. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. been a struggle. Yeah. I mean, right. they, they came in last week minus eight in the turnover margin. And the Saints this weekend. And, yeah. and so, but the Browns defense, one of the best defenses, the Saints, one of the best, because they're able to, in those moments, still Lim- yeah, limit, the damage. limit the damage. And that, so that is an area that is a concern because, yes, it's sudden change. You're put, you, your backs are against the wall, but you have to come up with a stop. At the end of the day, whether it's the final two minutes and you're not allowing it or it's sudden change the defense has to come up with a stop that no questions at that's what it has to come down to that's what Gus Bradley and his staff is telling these guys like hey whether it's a good situation bad situation you have to put your will to the point and make a stop hey real quick I know we're going to get to Kenny Moore coming up in just a second he's playing scary good like we talked about another thing that's a little bit scary if we can spend 30 seconds on it Juju Brents may not play coming up on Sunday, and that's that's obviously disappointing considering um, the the trajectory that he was on, yeah. um, and you know being a rookie cornerback and just depth's going to be tested there. How scary is that for the for the secondary against the Saints offense that they can come alive at any second? Here. Yeah, that that is that is scary, especially when you look at it just compared to what you saw last week and the firepower that the Saints offense potentially has. Yes, I know yes. they really aren't working; it's not all working yet. Yeah, Derek Carr's kind of new. He's trying to get all the kinks worked out, but guys like Chris Olave, Michael Thomas, and Alvin Kamara, they're game breakers. So yes. it is that is something that is kind of scary, especially with the depth that you already were kind of facing at corner. It's a very inexperienced group. So guys like Jalen Jones are really going to have to step up. Daryl Baker, I know Amir Speed, they just they just claimed last Friday. So he's trying to get acclimated into this offense or this defense, but it is a little scary because there are some high potent offensive players on that Saints team Mm -hmm. so that is a little scary yeah it is scary especially when you think of Michael Thomas a big receiver out there and then Juju Brents a big defensive back you would like to see the big defensive back Juju Brents against Michael Thomas I I like our chances there don't get me wrong Michael Thomas is a Oh, right. Very, very good receiver. He's, he's proven that he can play in his national football league and play at a high level. So it is scary that knowing that we're going to have some young guys back there, not knowing what the defense is going to do. Mm-hmm. But uh, it is scary not having Juju Brents out there. It just puts more onus on Kenny Moore the second. He is terrifyingly good this year. He is scary outstanding in 2023. As I said, leads all NFL cornerbacks and tackles, leads all NFL corners and tackles for loss and sacks. He had a sack and a half last Sunday against the Cleveland Browns. And number 23, the longest tenured Indianapolis Colt defensive player, joined us earlier today on the official Colts podcast. We are in studio, as promised, joined now by Colts cornerback, the versatile number 23, Kenny Moore the second. Kenny, how are we doing today, man? All good. All good. Fantastic to have you here. Uh, speaking of being fantastic, that is the perfect way to describe your season at this point. You had a fantastic game on Sunday, but if you look at these seven games on the year, as I said, you lead the NFL in tackles among corners. You lead the NFL in tackles for loss among cornerbacks. You had a sack and a half. I'm saying you're having a great season. How do you feel like the season's going? <clears throat> um, It's going all right. Going all right. <laughs> you're a tough critic. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. I, we have to be as athletes. Sure. We've got to be our toughest one. Um. There's a lot of opportunities that 
uh, I could have did different to have a better outcome of, of some individual performances for, you know, the defense and for the team. But uh, yeah, it's all right. I mean, it's better than last year. Well, I mean, let, let's go there because I mean, I know last year you admitted in the off season it was yeah. it was a tough year for you, and you know you had a hard time kind of getting on the same page with a new coaching staff. That that doesn't seem to be the problem at all this going around in year number two. Why do you think you have you fit in a lot better schematically in, in year number two under Gus Bradley here? Uh, I mean, you said it. I mean, the first year is going to be the first year. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, you know, tough trying to uh, have the green light or trying to do things that, you know, I wanted to do and things that I thought was, was best for not only myself but for the defense. Um, you know, you, you kind of got to take the back seat. Uh, sometimes so uh, it, was, it was always respect on both sides trying to trying trying to find the the fine line mm-hmm. you know but um you know everything happened the way it happened and um you know a lot of the conversations and discussions happened you know this past off season to be where we are right now so um, collectively, I think everybody's happy and everybody's in, you know, the, the, the position to make, right. you know, d- plays here and there. So uh, I like where everybody's coming along collectively. Now you talked about your first year in Gus Bradley's defense. You have, you have some young guys right now on the team. It's their first year in Gus Bradley's defense. Last week's game was a tough game for everybody. What do you as a veteran say to young guys about a game like last week? Um, things happen. Um and honestly, it's just one of those things where, like, you can only control, you know, what you can control. And so, like, last week, there's a lot of things that got out of our hand. And it's a lot of things that we couldn't control about last week. But, you know, we just got to keep playing and keep playing hard. But uh, I think it's, you know, still early in the season. And something that we said after the game that I, I truly believe in is being your best in November. Being your best in November, and you know, to – in the rest of the season, you want to be at your best. And, you know, some teams, they go up, some teams go mm-hmm. down. But yep. you got to find that, that happy medium where um, you're going to play better and better each each week. So um, that's something that I said to him. Now, I want to ask you about your play. Now, you play both inside and outside. You play both very well. I'm glad you know that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know that. A lot of people do know that because they see how you play. And I want to know, what is your approach to playing each is it, if there's any difference, and which one do you prefer? Oh, it's a it's a reset on each position. Uh, sometimes, you know, obviously, you know, first and second down is usually base, um, mm-hmm. yep. depending on what team you play you're playing against. Um, usually, it's going to be a rundown or uh, big people right. down, and then third down is pretty much all the gimmicks and all the the fast people come in, and <laughs> uh, a lot of different moving parts is going on. You got to re- react to jets and motions, communication. Yep. You got to be uh, something that uh, we used to say around here was accelerated vision, and okay. that's something you have to have. You know, not only as a defensive back, but uh, having that at nickel, and you got to have that leadership at uh, nickel as well. So, um, leadership aspect, the role aspect at corner, outside corner, and then moving inside, those aspects are com- completely different because right. I'm I have to talk to the outside corner, I have to talk to the safety. Uh, pretty much every play. I, I'm talking to Z pretty much every play at nickel. But uh, whenever I'm at corner, I'm not usually talking to the linebackers. I'm usually just talking to uh, Julian or uh, mm-hmm. Rodney Thomas. So, uh, which do I prefer? Um, you don't have to. You don't have to say if you don't want to. <laughs> so you can make more plays on the ball at nickel. Yeah. Um, schematically, you're going to be in different disguises. You're going to be in different uh, areas of the field to to make a play on the ball. So right. I think at nickel, whenever the 
offense break the huddle, the quarterback is probably looking at the nickel. He's probably <laughs> yeah, looking at yeah. he's probably looking at the 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 linebackers, or he's looking at the safety that's walking down into his coverage, or so. Right. But uh, whenever I'm at whenever I'm at corner, I'm not really seeing the quarterback that much. Look at me. But um, if if he doesn't have a hit on what's going on, he definitely looks at the outside corner to tell. Okay, so I mean, usually corners they they right. they they're in their own they're in their own space. And if they're a man, they're just looking at a receiver. Yeah. But uh, me being a nickel, I get those type of uh, keys on okay. the offense. So I understand, like, if I'm outside corner and we're a man, I'm trying to pretty much not show that I'm a man. Man, I'm right. Yeah. Looking Disguise it. Yeah. yeah. That's a that's a one-on-one yeah. right there. there. You know, I like I that. I like I just I like got that, better man. at football <laughs> right there with that description from Kenny Moore the second. And going along with that, Ron Milas, your position coach, today actually said that you're so good and you're so versatile and there's been talk about, you know, the Colts being banged up at the cornerback spot. Why not just put Kenny on the outside? He said, I don't want to do that because – Kenny is so good playing nickel, and if I take him out of that position, that takes away our flexibility to have him do other things, specifically come in the box at times based on the formation, and depending on what the offense is doing, sometimes you're in the box playing the will linebacker yeah. position, and I mean, that, that goes right, that, that jives with your 46 tackles on the season. What makes you such a good tackling cornerback, if oh, you will? Well. A good tackling corner. I think that just goes back to my background yeah. of being at Lions High and being in Valdosta, Georgia. All we did, I mean, we were very, very physical down there. We did a lot of hitting. We, mm-hmm. we were very intentional on that aspect of the game was trying to drive out that that uh, that fear. And so driving out that fear just came with the preparation of, of practice. And we, we were hitting a lot in practice. And so, you know, as a young kid, I mean, I'm playing my senior year of high school, or even, you know, in middle school, whenever I played ball, um, we did a lot. And that's something that I fear. I'm like, this is too physical for me. But, uh, the more you do something, uh, the better you become at it. I think sure. if you stay intentional, if you stay uh, resilient. So I think my stature, it, it never really faced me of how how I looked, uh, just how I perceived, like, that aspect of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, my rookie year, I got stiff-formed by, by Derrick Henry uh, versus <laughs> Tennessee, and it's one of those times where I'm like, dang, I, I'm not liking it out here. And, and I was trying to get a sub, but my, my coach <laughs> – uh, Coach G. Williams, he was like, nah, stay out there. And at, at that time, I was like, dang, it's just me and him out here. Like, yeah. I got I to gotta make it next time. But um, it's just one of those aspects of the game that uh, you don't really have to tell me twice to do. Sure. Work. Yeah, well, it's, it's coming to fruition here. Along with that, as I said, you got a sack and a half against Cleveland the other day. That takes your total to nine and a half sacks uh, since 2018. In that time, you lead all NFL corners in sacks. All right, take me through it. You've you've gotten picks, uh, you've gotten pick sixes, you've gotten tackles for loss. Where does a sack for a cornerback? Where does that rank in the adrenaline meter? Like jacked up? Is I mean, is that is that better than a than a pick? No, 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 no. no. <laughs> All right, fair enough. <laughs> Interceptions are so hard to get, and everybody just can't do it. Right. Um, not to say that you know everybody can't do sacks, but I mean, you got guys out there not talking about DBs, but you got guys out there that's yeah. second and quarterback 20 times a year. And, <laughs> I mean, that's hard to do for them as well, but uh, you just won't see 20 interceptions. You won't see that. Yeah, Having an interception in the game is so much – I mean, you got to be in a perfect spot, perfect time, uh, perfect 
I would say focus. Mm-hmm. Like my my drop one last week, which was, it could have went either way, but like in the heat of the moment, I'm thinking, oh, this is catch. Like, yeah. like I saw the ball in the air, and I was like, all right, this is a pick. Let's get ready to celebrate. <laughs> and so like whenever I was going to the ground, I took my right hand off to brace myself. Okay. And totally forgot about the ball because I'm I'm so thinking about we've been talking about celebrating all yeah. celebrate <laughs> and so I, it was one of those things where I was like dang I just let myself down but I can't like I never got it yeah. I never got it so it's just one of those things where I just got to stay in the moment and stay uh, focused 100 uh, percent but um, I would say sacks will rank uh, second number because I'm thinking about because I'm thinking about you know having a forced <laughs> fumble or a fumble recovery okay and those are underneath a sack there you go sack is like. I can do what you do. <laughs> yeah. Like, I can do what you yeah. do, but, yeah. like, I can do it, too. No one, no one's making a one-handed grab uh, against Darren Waller, like you did picking <laughs> off Derek Carr a couple of years ago. Yeah, that doesn't happen often. <laughs> no. <laughs> now, you talk about making plays and, and being out there and reading your keys and doing things like that. When you're studying wide receivers and watching film, first of all, how much time do you spend watching film? And second, what are you looking for in the wide receivers when you go out against wide receivers each uh, week? Great question. Um, so we do, so we watch film obviously in the classroom and the mm-hmm. meeting rooms. Um, and we do an extra meeting on Wednesdays just trying to hit the third downs. And so us being intentional about that this year, it's something that Mike Mitchell brought to the team in, in 2018 uh, whenever he came over to the Colts. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, we started doing that on Wednesdays, Thursdays. I had a little film on Thursdays, but it's not, like a, a lot of film Friday, mm-hmm. I would hit most of the film. Okay, uh, I'm hitting a lot of film on Fridays and Saturdays, and then obviously on Sundays. I'm not looking at anything on Sundays. Uh, Monday and Tuesday, I'm looking back over uh, the game, and then Tuesday, I'm watching pretty much all the other teams play, mm-hmm. like guys that I like to watch play. Or uh, okay, what was that score of that game? Okay, let me check out that game. Let me see how sure. uh, this game went on. Um, even if we aren't playing these two teams, or if I'm Sometimes I catch two teams that we're going to play, so it, it's good that I'm already watching this because we're mm-hmm. going to play them at some point. Right. Uh, whenever I do watch film, I'm just trying to take away uh, two or three th- things that I'll remember. Um, if this receiver does this uh, in this type of formation, if he has a tendency to do this, if he has a tendency to push off, is, it, does he have a tendency uh, to stair step his overs? Um, okay. Those are the things that I'm trying to take away. So, like, if he's stair-stepping his over, I'm not going to be quick to jump the over. I'm going to kind of tempo it patiently. And then once he makes that once he makes that next, that second move over to the over, now i got to burst. Now i got to strain to get over there. Um, and it, it's been better and better every single year. Um, I remember in 2018, 2019, um, I wasn't as intentional of taking, you know, these key things away. Mm-hmm. I was just watching film, just say, oh, yeah, I watch film. Yeah, I'm good. And it's one of those things where, like, as a younger guy, you don't really know until you know, like, how can how can things benefit you instead of just trying to do what everybody else does. So right. um, I had one more point that I was going to make. But, uh, yeah, just pretty much just two or three things. You know, at, like the toss last week, I saw the bunch, and I don't really want to give away. But Yeah, don't give away. Coming, yeah, right? don't give away your secrets or anything, it, yeah. but just – just, just want to know in general. On a couple of things that, that may yeah. show up in the game. Maybe it doesn't. Right. But you just want to have those things ready. I'll piggyback off of that. You say you watch other guys from other teams and, and as far as playing defensive back. Who else in the league do you look at to like, you know, get a couple of ideas from and see what they're doing out there against certain uh, wide receivers or things like that? Or who you do? Who do you look up to 
I should say. Um, I really like Denzel Ward's game. I, we we train together in the off season sometimes for okay. some years, and I definitely want to give people their flowers whenever I see them. Okay. Um, whether people uh, value that or not, I value you know just just saying, hey, I like your game. Sure. Uh, just you know, I, I told him after the game actually uh, this past Sunday, I was like, every single week uh, I'm looking to see you know what Denzel did uh, on my iPad. I'm Good. looking to see his games. Uh-huh. Uh, AJ Terrell, AJ Terrell, he's pretty intentional in, cur- in coverage. Yep. Um, I usually watch the man-to-man corners just to see how they strain versus coverage or how they work with other teammates. Um, Jair Alexander, uh, Darius Slay. Okay. Uh, yeah, guys like that. So you. That's good stuff right That's there. Real. Kenny Moore the second is with us. Last one for me, and then we'll cut you loose and have some fun here. But um, this game on Sunday, right, you got two, three, and four teams. And, and both teams, I know, coming off of, of back-to-back losses. And then after this week, some, some road games coming up in the month of November. Kenny, where would you say the, the urgency is for this team going into this game, knowing you're kind of at the middle point of the season, and this is the, the time of the season where teams kind of start to separate themselves from the good to the great and so on and so forth? Yeah, I think it's a fine line of seeing where we are versus this team. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it'll be a physical week. I think they love ball over there, just watching their games, just watching uh, the passion and tradition that they have over there. Um, I think they'll be ready to play. And I think every time I turn the TV on, TV on they're pretty much ready to play. Defense is scrappy. So mm-hmm. uh, just a challenge for our defense, just like last week. Uh, we want to do our best to be better than their defense. And so, you know, hopefully we can come out this game with a win. I like it. Colts are trying to get back to 500, move to 4-4 four and four on the season. Kenny Moore, there are five days between now and Halloween. So let's, let's do some rapid fire. Let's have some fun Uh-oh. before we close out here. <laughs> Kenny Moore II, let's, let's go back to the, the eight-year-old version of you. What was your favorite Halloween costume as a kid? I probably would have chose, like, Batman. Yeah? Yeah, Batman. Oh, classic. Yeah. Oldie, oldie buddy goodie right there. Your favorite Halloween candy growing up as a kid, or even now? Probably like a Reese's Pieces or oh. <laughs> uh, like a Airhead. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, you can come. You can you can hang out with my kids. They will, they will fight you for the Airheads. There will be an absolute war in the middle of the living room for the for the cherry Airhead on that one. All right, your favorite scary movie, either growing up or, or now to this day. Oh, I didn't. I, I don't like scary movies. Yeah, join the club. Honest. You uh, like scary movies? No. Yeah, I, they, they, they do nothing no, for me. I don't like them because I, I have nightmares, and I don't like that. There you go. I'm the same way. All right, the guy, last one, the guy on the team right now, your teammate, one of your teammates, the guy that you would want to go trick-or-treating with, if you could, as an adult. Uh, Julian Blackman. Yeah? Yeah, that's easy. You guys are hand-in-hand hand right that's there. That's That's your guy. Getting it done in the back end right there. Number 23 and number 32, Julian Blackman. Hopefully those two guys making some plays coming up on Sunday against the New Orleans Saints. Kenny, always love our conversations, man. Thanks so much. Yes, sir. Always an enjoyable conversation with Kenny Moore, the second, as I said, the longest tenured Colts player on defense. Hard to believe he's been here since 2017. We talk about Ryan Kelly on offense. It's Kenny Moore, the second on defense. That was a fantastic conversation. All right. He's going to be tasked with slowing down this Saints offense coming up on Sunday. That's what I want to close out the show with here. And if you look at the Saints, 
And you guys know me and my cheesy metaphors. So this one popped in my brain earlier this week. Casey, on game day, on Sunday of all days, I, um, I've got you know, all my notes ready to go. I'm in the car. I'm, I'm pushing the start button on the old trusty Hyundai Elantra. And the bad boy won't start. Game day. I'm trying to get the Lucas Oil Stadium dead battery. Really? I did not I've know got this. A dead battery. What? Really? Day of the game. Yeah. So I had to call AAA. The guy came in. Bada boom, bada bing. Gone. So here I am. I'm ready to go. So I'm driving north to Lucas Oil Stadium. Shout out to uh, the surface repair guy. He was in and out. Uh, I forget his name, but gosh, he was quick and efficient. Just like like us here in the pod. (laughs) (laughs) But I think the Saints offense is like a dead battery. Ah, right? Because they're only, they're only averaging about 19 points per game. They only got 12 touchdowns. And it's perplexing down in Cajun country because you look at all the players they've got. They've got Carr. They've got Olave, Michael Thomas, Jawan Johnson's coming back, Alvin Kamara uh, catching the ball, running the ball out of the backfield. How do the Colts bill on defense? How do they make sure no jumper cables come out at Lucas Oil <laughs> Stadium on Sunday and that battery for the Saints remains drained? Well, to hopefully to keep that battery drained, I think one of the things they have to do is make sure that Alvin Kamara doesn't get started. Mm-hmm. Don't let him get started. Don't let him get going. Because I think they probably want to run the ball because there has been some miscommunication, some uh, problems with connection out there in regards to <laughs> Look at this. Uh, Derek There's Carr. There's the positive. There's the negative. All right. The miscommunication there. There's no yeah, connection. Olave is going to the minus you, sign. Thomas is going right. to the plus. Exactly. So there's some, there's some miscommunication out there between Derek Carr, the receivers, and things going on out there yeah. from an offensive standpoint keep that problem for the Saints going all right and I think one of the things you can do is stop Alvin Kamara put them in third and long make them pass the ball I'm sure they haven't got all things worked out yet the kinks worked out but make them continue to pass the ball and hopefully you can slow down uh, Kamara and then put them in third and long and make them have to pass and put the ball in Derek Carr's hands don't get me wrong I think Derek Carr is a fine fine quarterback Mm -hmm. he plays very well but I think right now he's getting adjusted to the Saints getting adjusted to the new offense it's taking them a while to get going and let them still have that confusion out there by putting more pressure on him hopefully third and long you stop Alvin Kamara third and long make him throw the ball And, and Derek Carr might as well be playing for the Tennessee Titans because he plays the Colts every year. Right. It's like a division <laughs> game for Six him. Six straight seasons. This is going to be the sixth consecutive year the Wild. Colts will play Derek Carr. I mean that's that's a really funny point to think about it. You know, in that in those terms, but I mean, six straight years. Yeah. you get to that point where. I feel like I know Derek Carr pretty well, <laughs> and I don't know anything about the Saints. If yeah. that, right. you know, it's yes. one of those things that when I started diving into the Saints, I was like, these guys I haven't thought about in so long. But then you're like, but Derek Carr is there. I know what he does so yeah. well. So that is funny. Well, let me ask you this, because the, the Saints defense to this point of the season, Bill talked about how up and down their offense has been. You know, that's that's been the unit. Their defense has been the unit that's been powering the battery. We saw the Colts just dominate and thrash and gash the Browns last week for 456 and 38 points. The Saints are our top five uh, overall defense. Got a really good front seven. They got a really good back end with Marshawn Lattimore leading the charge there. Are you confident the Colts can take full advantage of the Saints just like they did the Browns despite those numbers coming in? I am. I'm, 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 I'm becoming more and more bullish on Shane Steichen every week. There's things that he does that. that I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, man, he he just has this. I didn't think much of you at the beginning of the season. <laughs> yeah, but you're coming. I'm, I'm saying, coming around yeah, yeah. on you, coach. <laughs> That's not what I'm saying. But there, there's just something to like you head into a week where you're not yeah. necessarily counted out, but it's almost like, oh, you think so? Here's what I'm going to do to you. I mean, we saw that game against the Titans. It was. 
you're not going to be able to run at all against this Tennessee Titans front. They're really yeah. good. And all of a sudden, it was like, boom, big run after big run after big run after big run. And then last week, this Browns defense, you know, one of the best in the last 50 years. And yeah. you go up and put Press almost man 500. Man no problem. Yeah, I mean, you almost put up over 500 total yards out there. So I don't know necessarily if we're going to see a repeat like last week. I think last week, there were also a handful of things that played into those big numbers. We talked about it, you know, the, you know, the, the, offsides penalties you're able to take advantage of Michael Pittman breaking a tackle for a 75 yard score all those end up adding to a lot of the big numbers but I do think that the Colts and Shane Steichen are going to be able to you know carve up some some things in the Saints defense just because that's kind of what we've seen in him to this point so I'm not at all surprised when he's able to go at some of these teams I mean this Colts offense they're top 10 in both running and passing and that's nothing to just throw away because we're through seven weeks of this so yeah. it's that's a pretty good sample size yes. so I think we know what this Colts offense can do and I like their chances to put up another good performance against this defense and both of these teams we talked about the Colts and the schedule it's it's kind of heating up as far as adversity away from Lucas Oil Stadium coming up after Sunday only one one home game in the month of November, and that doesn't come until the Sunday after Thanksgiving. So it's going to be about a month before the Colts play in front of the faithful at Lucas Oil Stadium. But the, the bigger picture here, Bill, is, is that both of these teams are three and four. The Saints are coming off of that Thursday night game, kind of that mini buy. A lot of people are, are throwing some, some stuff at, at their house. Um, the offensive coordinator is kind of under, under fire a little bit. Um, Dennis Allen's under fire a little bit. Derek Carr, you know, maybe some fans are saying, man, we got buyer's remorse on this guy hmm. after we spent a lot of money on him in free agency in the offseason. But they've had some time to kind of tweak and fine-tune some stuff, clean up some of that miscommunication that they've had to this point on offense. It just seems like this is a turning point type of game for both teams. Both teams three and four going into that middle part of the season. The Colts are going to play some road games coming up. It seems like it's a put-up-or-shut-up type of game for both teams that have a lot to play for. Yeah, I agree with you there. It's very important this week coming up against – the Saints and for the Saints as well mm-hmm. uh, for the, both those teams to play well and for the teams that want to win from the Saints standpoint they want to stay within the striking condition striking distance of the division you know what they're behind a little bit but they want to stay in striking distance so they don't want to lose another game you know go to back-to-back games where they lose and for the Colts for me it is is getting back on track getting back on that winning track especially at home yeah okay you beat the Tennessee Titans um, here at home and then you lose to Cleveland you know, we got to start backing those wins up, those big wins, because that was a big win against Tennessee. Yep. So got to back those wins up with more wins at home and, you know, kind of establish that home dominance again that, you know what, when teams come in to Lucas Oil Stadium, they know it's going to be a very difficult day to play and win football games there. And I think they have to get to that point, and that's why I think this week is a big game for the Colts against the Saints. I mean, it's called like one in their last nine exactly. winning I mean, at home. Yeah. It, it's yeah. bizarre to think about that. I mean, you're, you're one and eight in the last nine games at home. And, and I agree, Bill. I think it's a put-up-or-shut-up kind of game. And for a lot of reasons, I think you, you never look forward. But right. if you, you look at this next three-game stretch before the bye, it's a very winnable yeah. schedule. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not yeah. trying to you know, say the Colts should go out, but it, it are, there are games that they can really help get that momentum swing. And, and you're always looking around, especially the division, but also in the AFC, and you look at Jacksonville. They're winners of the last four. Yeah. So mm-hmm. you, you, have to, you have to start 
racking together some wins just to stay on their heels, to put the pressure on. And I know this team wants to. I mean, you have seen when this team plays well, they can compete with anybody. So when you look at the playoffs and all that stuff, it's obtainable for this team. You just have to get back on track. And I think there's no better way to do that than at home. I mean, these guys are wanting to win at home. You saw the victory against Tennessee. We all think they should have won last weekend, but you still come away with a loss. Getting a win at home, setting up back-to-back road trips, one of them going to Germany, it'd be really good to kind of string together Mm -hmm. a good streak. And then you get a week off to kind of reset a bunch of things, and you really go out of that bye with a real positive note, hopefully. Yeah, three games to the bye. That's a real big benchmark right now for this team. If you're 6-4 and with a week off. 100%. Oh, hell yeah. Yep. Oh, now now you're cooking, baby. And now you're getting ready for Thanksgiving. Got a little fried turkey there, all the <laughs> you're sides. You're feeling a whole lot better. And then Believe you return me. home to Lucas Oil Stadium and play the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Great stuff right there here on this spooky, what's scary, <laughs> that's terrifying edition of the official Colts podcast five days before Halloween. Bill Brooks, Casey Vallier, I'm Matt Taylor. Bill, you might get rained on on Sunday during the, uh, during the pregame show. We might have to move you in. That's all right. I don't mind the rain. It won't bother me too much. Oh, we, 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 tough we, we, guy. No, Wow! Look, if I could play in All Buffalo and, and, and below zero, no, I could play in Buffalo and below zero weather. <laughs> That's or, true. You or do, rain, you so yeah, so I can I can do the it rain, with a little just, rain. It just circles, snow and rain just circles right around yeah. Buffalo. It's more so for the equipment I'm worried about, not <laughs> yeah. me. I'm worried about the equipment out there, not me. On keep that. an eye out for the forecast. We're <laughs> going to the game on Sunday. There is yeah. rain in the forecast, so dress appropriately and uh, tailgate appropriately uh, for a huge game here in late October. It's the Colts and the Saints kickoff on Sunday, 1 o'clock. You can hear all the action on the Bell Tire Radio Network locally in Indianapolis, of course, on 93.5, 107.5 The Fan and our sister station there, 97.1 Hank FM. Casey has got the uh, countdown to kickoff beginning at noon, and then Bill and the boys have you on the Colts pregame huddle beginning at 10, 10 to noon and uh, 10 a.m. begins all of the pregame coverage and uh, kicks off nine hours of game day coverage. Colts and Saints, we're breaking it down next week, getting ready for Colts and Panthers. But more on this matchup, as always, stay here on YouTube and the Colts Audio Network all the way until Sunday. And we will talk to you next Thursday on the official Colts podcast brought to you by Win Las Vegas. Have a great weekend.